Hello, hello. Okay, okay. Like like CJ said last week, good morning. There we go, there we go. Two times, two times. That's okay, that's okay. We'll get there. One day we will get it on the first try, I promise. Um, this morning we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 24. If you guys want to go ahead and turn there, I'll give you just a second. We're going to read the entire chapter this morning. So it's a good bit, so... Stick with me. We're going to go through this. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to start reading. When Saul returned from pursuing the Philistine, he was told, David is in the wilderness near Engedi. So Saul took 3,000 of Israel's fit young men and went to look for David and his men in front of the rocks of the wild goats. When Saul came to the sheep pens along the road, a cave was there, and he went in to relieve himself. David and his men were staying in the Recesses of the cave, and so they said to him, Look, this is the day that the Lord told you about. I will hand your enemy over to you, so you can do whatever you desire. Then David got up and secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David's conscience bothered him, because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, I swear before the Lord, I would never do such a thing to my Lord. The Lord's anointed. I will never lift my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. With these words, David persuaded his men, and he did not let them rise up against Saul. Then Saul left the cave and went on his way. After that, David got up, went out of the cave, and called to Saul. My Lord, the king, when Saul looked behind him, David knelt with, knelt low with his face to the ground and paid homage. David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of people who say, look, David intends to harm you. You can see with your own eyes that the Lord handed you over to me today in the cave. Someone advised me to kill you. But I took pity on you and said, I won't lift my head against my Lord since he is the Lord's anointed. Look, my father, look at the corner of your robe in my hand, for I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. Recognize that I've committed no crime or rebellion. I haven't sinned against you, even though you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between me and you, and may the Lord take vengeance on you for me, but my hand will never be against you. As the old proverb says, wickedness comes from wicked people. My hand will never be against you. Who has the king of Israel come after? What are you chasing after? A dead dog, a single flea? May the Lord be judge and decide between you and me. May he take notice and plead my case and deliver me from you. When David finished saying these things to him, Saul replied, Is that your voice, David, my son? Then Saul wept aloud and said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have done what is good to me, though I have done what is evil to you. You yourself have told me today what good you did for me. When the Lord handed me over to you, you didn't kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him go unharmed? May the Lord repay you with good for what you've done for me today. Now I know for certain you will be king, and the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hand. Therefore, swear to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. So David swore to Saul, and Saul went back home, and David and his men went up to the stronghold. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. God, thank you for your word. Let it speak to us this morning. Let your spirit move this morning. And God, just be with us during this time. 
Amen. So how many of you guys have ever uh, taken a shortcut before? Just, just raise a hand. Taking a shortcut. Um, we've all taken plenty, but this kind of shortcut I'm talking about, I'm not talking about like a shortcut home or a shortcut to somewhere you're going or those weird roads. I'm sure you guys have seen them before because they're all over South Carolina that literally say shortcut road. That for some reason, taxpayers, we have paid for a road that literally gets us there a second quicker. I, I'm sorry, I can rant about that all day long. It's, it's wild. Um, but I'm not talking about that kind of shortcut this morning. Um, I'm talking more maybe about what some people might call maybe a life hack or just a little cheat like many of us have probably written papers in our lifetime at school or college or whatever. And you have like a word count or a page count and it's getting a little ridiculous. You're like, I've said everything I can say. And you're like, well, maybe I'll increase the font of this period right here. Maybe I'll... Maybe I'll put the font in white and, like, write a bunch of words at the end, and they won't notice. You know, they'll never figure it out. Oh, that's a short paper for 1,500 words. Oh, uh, it says 1,500, so we're good. So so those, those kind of shortcuts, those kind of things is like, that's well, probably a little, little, little iffy. Um, well, uh, back in college, I have a story similar to that. Some people have heard this, um, but... I, uh, I was in a group called Joyful Sound, so we traveled all the time, playing music at churches. I had things I had to go through during the week. I was also a Christian studies major, and we wrote papers all the time, all, like all the time. I had one class where the professor said, we don't really need to write papers in this class, but I just feel like it would help you get better, so we're going to assign four eight-page papers in this class that has nothing to do with the content. I'm not kidding. Like, I, I dropped the class, by the way. I was like, nah, I'm not doing that. Um, yeah, I was like, nah, we're not doing that. So in this other class I had, though, this, uh, every day we had a quiz. Every single day. Every day of class, we'd have a quiz on the reading. And um, so normally, you know, I tried to read. I did. I did my best. And uh, one night I didn't, I didn't read. And the quiz that day, though, was, did you read? Yes or no? Yes, you get 100. No, you get a zero. I thought, man, like, there's no way he could know, right? You know, like in my head, I'm telling myself, like, I can get away with this, right? Like, this isn't right, but I can do this. And I wrote yes. Turned it in. Clearly, clearly cheated. Lied, plagiarized, whatever you want to call it. And he followed it up with an honesty quiz by asking questions on the reading. So I was like, oh, crap. So obviously didn't know anything. And then I'm terrible at lying to people's faces. I'm terrible at it. So if you want to ask me something or know something, come talk to me to my face. I literally cannot lie to you. You'll be able to tell. I'm awful at it. And he asked me, he's like, hey, did you do the reading? I was like, no. He's like, well, you lied. I was like, yeah, yeah. So I got caught. Kicked out of the class, all that nonsense. And that was, um, that was a shortcut I took. I was tired. I was constantly busy from classes. Um, at least I thought I was busy. You know, compared to now, like, that's nothing. Um, but I took a shortcut. I took a, what I thought would be an easy way out, an easy way to get a free 100 to help my grades, to help put me in a better position in the class, um, that I thought in the long run would benefit me greatly. Um, and it didn't. That's, that's, that's exactly the opposite outcome of what, what happened. Um, 
And so we're going we're gonna to dive right back in. And because we see David with, with an opportunity to, to do this. And, and like all passages of Scripture, and I think specifically this passage, a little context will do it some great justice. When I was a young, young, young Christian, um, just started following the Lord, the book of First and Second Samuel was like my happy place, my home place. It's where I constantly read from. I don't know why I was so fascinated with David at the time, but I loved reading his story. I thought the way scripture presented David was incredible, and I just loved it. Um, and I think another part of it is it, it makes for a great story, guys. Like, if you've seen the Chosen TV series, like, it's an incredible series. The next thing they should do is the book of First and Second Samuel. You got political drama, you have betrayal, you have a ton of incredibly gory fight scenes in it. There's so many epic battles. Like you do some Lord of the Rings style stuff, like that'd be incredible. So I love, I love these books. I love the story it tells. I love how detailed and how much that goes into it. And so we're just going to start a little bit from the beginning. So before all this, before there were kings in Israel, there were judges, which were kind of like prophets in a way. They weren't great. They weren't great at all. So the land of Israel, the people see that all the other lands around them have kings. And they say, we want a king. We want to be like these other people. So the interesting part about that is God's their king. And God's like, it's, it's an interesting little introduction. God's a little, like, a little angry about it. It's like, they don't need a king to have me. But he relents in a way. I like to think that God's like, you know what, I'll, I'll let them have this. Almost like, you know, the relationship aspect that God has with us sometimes. It's like, okay. Okay, so he relents. He lets him have a king. So Samuel anoints Saul. Now Saul is, when they first describe him, like he's kind of like this like action hero. Like this like big, strong, buff dude. Like he can take on the world. He's fearless. Um, they go into his life, and he is constantly at war and battles and doing all these great things and winning winning over the land of Israel and taking out armies and people that are against them. And eventually, though, he disobeys God. God asks him to do something, and he doesn't do it. God's upset. God's very upset. He's like, they wanted a king. This king was meant to follow me, be a representative of me, and he disobeyed me. So now we have David. God says to Samuel, go, go find this other king, this guy who's going to be next. His name is David. Go find him. Goes out, gets him, anoints him. He's going to become king. Now, leading up to this point, David is anointed. David starts to work in Saul's like court in a way. He plays the harp for him when Saul is tormented with demons. He eventually kills Goliath, as we all know that story. And he eventually becomes like a high-ranking member of his army. And David starts to receive the praises of the people. David starts to get all the glory, all the recognition. And one of the lines that really Saul didn't like was that David killed ten thousands while Saul killed thousands. And Saul became very upset. He became very jealous. He became very angry that the people loved David more than him. And David was living his best life at that moment. I mean, David was like, this is it. Like, what, what's going to get better? And And maybe... You know, I think this a lot. Past few years have been tough. But maybe there was there was a point before all that, or maybe even recently, or at some point in your life, you felt like 
Like, things can't get better. Like, this is great. Like, my life's amazing. Things are going well. I'm where I'm at financially. I'm where I'm at with my family. I'm at a place and a status in life where, like, this is the right track. Everything's going perfectly. I'm sure David felt that. I'm sure David felt that as he's rising up the ranks, as he's constantly getting more responsibility. It seems like the perfect track for him to become king because he knows he's going to become king. And it just felt natural. Everything just kept falling into place. Everything just kept going the exact way that like, yeah, this makes sense. This is how I would become king. But then, after all that, after all the greatness, after all the moments of triumph and of like, this is, this is it. Saul wants to kill David. Saul wants to get rid of David. Just so he doesn't have to deal with the embarrassment, the torment, the idea that he's not as loved as much as David because he knows David will become king. And he's, he's fed up with it. He doesn't like it. And in, in these moments where I felt like, you know, everything was great, everything was awesome. <laughs> I think it's a song. Everything is great, everything. <laughs> but, you know, before, before COVID hit, before everything kind of went crazy, I was at that place where, like, things are great in my life. Like, yeah, I'm working at a, a church plant and, you know, maybe not in full-time ministry, but I love what I was doing. This is where God had called me. Like, we were seeing the fold just in a way, like, blow up. Like, we had been planning for six months at that point. We are like, wow, like, people are coming to fold groups. We have great numbers on Sunday. People are, like, committed to the church, like not just showing up and like attending Sunday morning, like they love being at the fold and interacting with the community and going to serve the community. And I was like, this is everything I wanted to be a part of. And this, and it was just, it was great. It really was. And then COVID hit and we spent three months online. And in that time, the community aspect kind of, it, it felt like it was gone. At least in, at least the way I felt. I can't speak for everybody, but I'm right now I'm telling you how I felt. You know, COVID was difficult for a lot of reasons. A lot of lives were lost. A lot of things that shouldn't have been politicized, if that's the right word, was. And you felt like no matter what you believed, you were somehow an enemy to someone. I remember this past Christmas, my my roommate um, got COVID and... Um, he, he let me know that he got COVID while I was at like Christmas, Christmas, Christmas with my family. Um, and I remember thinking like, you know, the symptoms are not bad. And like they say the effects are way lighter. But, you know, my grandmother was there who's been dealing with health issues for like 10 years now. And in my head, I'm like, I got to leave. Like I, I can't, I can't be the reason. Like I, I, I can't, I couldn't fathom in my own mind that if I gave her COVID and she passed away from it. And that's the things we've had to deal with. We've woken up with a cough in the morning and had to think, can I go to work today because I don't want to give my coworkers COVID? Do I have COVID? Am I too sick to go be with family? Am I too sick to do this? Is a cough? Is a sneeze? Is that a symptom? Do I need to take, get tested? Do I need to do this? Like life was already crazy as it was. We can all attest to that. We, we, life just as it is, is insane sometimes. And then COVID happened. 
to when we wake up in the morning, we're worried, to when we go out in public, we're wearing a mask and worrying, is this enough? It was hard. It was difficult. There's no, no, no reason to lie about it, no matter how seriously or lightly you may have taken it. We dealt with things that we never thought we'd deal with. And then on top of that, in the summer of 2020, our planning pastor has a moral failing. And, and, and like I said, guys, please come to um, Director's Cut. It's on a Wednesday. We're going to tell the whole story of the fold. But he, he had to resign. And as a staff, we were left in a place to where, like, what's going to happen? We've been planning for a year and a half. Our planning pastor had to resign. And we, we were in a place where we didn't know what to do. We were in a place to where we were thinking, next Sunday, no one might be here. We, we might go to full groups and everyone's like asking all these questions and like wondering like what's, what's going on with leadership. Wanting to leave, wanting to get up out of here. So we got left in, in, in a terrible place. And in the last two years have been incredibly hard and incredibly difficult. But then we see we see we see moments where we can take some of the easy ways out. And David, David has that moment. David is given an opportunity that is like it's like a dream. It's a pipe dream. It's 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 the best sorry, I'm in my mind. It is the best best situation for him. Saul comes into the cave completely alone, completely abandoned by his men. And David could, David could end it right there. Stop the war, stop the fighting, stop the running, stop the battle, stop the stress, stop the anxiety, stop the worry, and kill Saul. He had the opportunity. His men were like, take it. They were tired of running. They were tired of seeing David like this. When we're stressed, when we're hurt, when we're alone, when we're in places where we feel abandoned and like we're on the run, even our loved ones, even people around us can see it and be like, hey, just do this. Sometimes it just feels right. Sometimes it even looks right. In this moment, if the story read the other way and it said David killed Saul, I don't think any of us would have thought that he did anything wrong. I don't think any of us would have thought that. And so for us, it's easy to take those opportunities. It's easy for us to look at the, the hard place, the situations where we are running or where we're fighting or where we're just in a dark place that, that doesn't seem like we're ever getting out of because we've been there so long. I imagine in those places it's really hard to follow God. I imagine in those places that where it is so dark, we forget that Jesus is there with us and there is an expectation to be obedient to him because we are just running so hard. We're fleeing from, from what there is that is there to hurt us. And I imagine in those times where you are stressed, where you're tired, where life in and of itself is hard, just by itself, when those extra situations come, like maybe in a difficult time in a marriage, where life's already crazy, you might have kids, 
You might feel like you're running at full speed and all of a sudden marriage gets difficult for you. And sometimes it can look like, what if I just check out? What if I look into getting a divorce? What if I take the easy out? What if I don't want to fight? Maybe it's holding on to anger and resentment to someone instead of forgiving them. I know for me, I love anger. If you guys know me, I love to get angry and passionate about things. I'm sure I'm going to get angry today when the Carolina Panthers play. I know I am. <laughs> maybe, maybe you want to hold on to that and you feel like you can't forgive someone. Maybe you're choosing to ignore what God has commanded us in being a person who is forgiving. Maybe in those hard places, and this goes even a little deeper, maybe you're trying to numb the pain with substance abuse. And that can be drugs, that can be alcohol, that can be all sorts of things. Any things that lead you away from Jesus, that takes you away from what's going on in your life right now. And it's, it's, it's interesting um, with all those things, with all those things that we tend to want to run from, that we tend to want to get out of. There's a, there's a Harvard, Harvard business study that I read, and um, it's pretty interesting. Um, and it seems, when you, when you hear it, it's just like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but like we said, life can be hard as it is, and most of the time for us, it's just probably not getting enough sleep. The Harvard business study said, just under, like under, anything under six hours of sleep, like, you can, the, the study percentage-wise says you were like two to three times more likely to lie, cheat, and steal. Just from being tired. Just being tired. Guys, I'm exhausted this morning. I don't know why. I just, but just from being tired. So imagine life as crazy as it is, as it is. Things we go through, raising kids, going to work. Anything else on top of that? I'm sure we all do all sorts of things. And then you get thrown into what feels like darkness. What feels like isolation. I'm not going to say like obedience is easy in those times because it's not. Everything about this is showing that it's not. But where we get to where we choose to commit to that obedience is an important place. And that's what we're going to look back. We're going to look back here in 1 Samuel, back to David. I'm just going to story through a little bit. So all this starts around chapter 17 or 18 in 1 Samuel. And you see David running. You see David fighting for his life. But the thing is, and it's similar to how CJ talked about remembering last week, about the things, how we remember that God has done. David, the first, the first event when he's fleeing is Saul's own son, Jonathan, helps him flee, helps him run. As David's on the run, he's constantly being helped by allies, by friends, people that help hide him. Also, while he's on the run, here's the crazy part. This is why I say it's going to make such a good story. David is running from Saul while also fighting a war. He is literally fighting enemies of Israel while running from another army that is trying to kill him. Like, you talk about some darkness, some messed up stuff. That's crazy. But in those moments, God is constantly delivering victories for him. God is constantly taking him to places, meeting him 
up with people that will help him, that will be there for him. So sometimes it takes remembering. And for... And for the fold, sorry, um, that, that Sunday, that first Sunday, after our planning passes, resignation, those first fold groups, you know, as a staff, we came together and we said, we believe in the vision of the fold that we believe it's from God, not from a man, that God has called us to lead people in this place with a unique vision that he has given us and that we're going to chase after it regardless of what that Sunday or what those fold groups were like. And then fold groups that week, attendance was the same as it was last week. People asked questions, but people were like aware and there and observed the spirit. They felt like what had happened showed the importance of the fold's vision. They felt like this place, despite what had happened, was still accomplishing its fine home, fine family, fine purpose for people. That Jesus was still here in this place. That Sunday, I don't, I don't think anyone who was there the previous Sunday when he announced his resignation was gone the next week. And to us, we were there that morning and we just prayed like, God, we're here because we believe in your vision. Whatever happens, happens. And it was a powerful Sunday. God moved, the spirit moved. And, and even in this darkness, even in the midst of COVID, even in times where there's been a lot of uncertainty, the fold has experienced a lot of great things. In the past few years, we've had, I guess past year, we've had our first baptisms. We also, this past Christmas, somehow, I mean, look, 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 at, look, look at the church, look at the people around you. We got, we got a good crowd today, but this isn't a ton of people. We raised over $10,000 for a school in need. We've been, we've been serving in our community. We've been constantly trying to be obedient to what the Lord has asked us to. And the beautiful thing is that in all the darkness, God has created light. God loves creating light out of the darkness. The situations that we're in, where we feel dark and we feel alone, God wants to work in those moments. God wants to turn that into something beautiful, but he wants your obedience in it. He wants to use you through that obedience. We see constantly throughout this story that somehow David in all this is obedient to the Lord. And God constantly rewards it. But we're in chapter 24 for a reason. We're not in chapter 26. We're not in 2 Samuel yet either where David becomes king. You see, this, this morning, even though it seems like we're in a good place where, oh, Saul's, Saul's done chasing David. Two chapters later, Saul's back at it again, ready to kill David, chasing him at his back. David's not out of the darkness yet. 
He doesn't feel close either, I imagine. And for you this morning, the story series is all about leaving that hopelessness and getting out of it through Jesus, through his life, through his salvation, through what he provides for us, which is his goodness and faithfulness. But maybe this morning, you're still in chapter 24. Maybe you don't feel like you're close to leaving the darkness. Maybe, maybe you don't feel like Maybe you don't feel like Jesus is there right now. Maybe you don't feel like God is aware of the situation you're in. And maybe you feel like you're not in a place to where the light's even visible yet. And I tell you those things because right now it's okay. I understand why you feel that way. And I hope this series, and I pray that this series helps bring you out of that. I say these things because oftentimes it's still how I feel. It's still, it's still what I go through and still what I deal with sometimes to where I don't always feel like I'm out of the darkness from the past two years to where there's days like where I would rather just lay in bed and not do anything, but I know that I, I have to keep going. Where... Moments where, to, to me, where I've had feelings, where it would be better if I left the fold than deal with these feelings and to deal with this doubtness, darkness and doubt. Because it would be easier. Some of those feelings would disappear. I wouldn't have to come into the building where so much stuff went down to where every time I walk in, I feel a heaviness. But I can't help but feel in those moments and this is where this is where I think is so beautiful about this story is that we can't go back and look where it said the Lord commanded David not to kill Saul. It's not in any of the previous chapters. It's just his consciousness. I believe the Spirit convicted David in that moment that just cutting off the robe was wrong, that he had sinned against the Lord in that moment. He would do no more. So in my own mind, I can't help but feel leaving or turning away now or like giving up is going against what God has for me, for what he wants. I'm not here to pump myself up about, look at me being obedient because I've constantly failed at that. But what I know is that through that obedience, I've gotten to experience all this. I've gotten to experience the goodness and faithfulness of God. I've gotten to experience the baptisms on Sunday the raising of $10,000 to beautiful moments in fold groups where Jesus and the Spirit are doing incredible things in people's lives. And I get to be a part of it and experience it with them. To where I get to go through the joy and the triumph. Even when I feel like I'm in a dark cave. There's light in it. And if that's you this morning, if you feel like you're in that dark place, that there hasn't been light, that you don't know how you're meant to obey because right now the easy way out seems way better. I'm just going to ask you to, to lean into the Spirit, to lean into His Word, to find that conviction, to be obedient to the Lord because the Lord wants to reward your obedience even in the darkness.
It's hard to find Jesus in those moments. It's hard to sometimes find what he wants to do in those moments. But he wants to work in them. The key phrase that you can sum up all of First and Second Samuel with that's said constantly throughout this book is obedience is better than sacrifice. The Old Testament is constantly filled with sacrifices because the Israelites could never be obedient. And in our life today, a lot of times what that looks like is our disobedience leads us to a lot worse place. A place to where we're sacrificing a lot of ourselves, our relationship with Jesus, our relationship to other people. And Jesus doesn't want that for you. He doesn't like the dark place you're in either. He doesn't want that for you either. But he wants your obedience. He wants you to love him. Because in that, he will love you there as well. And reward you and guide you and be faithful and good like he's always promised that he would be. Let's pray.